Good morning. How is everybody? God, that was weak. It's camp week. There we go. Junior hires are leaving for camp today. Notice the older people are excited that the junior hires are leaving for camp this week. <laughs> Last week, Gary started a sermon series um, talking about word power. You can see up here, flexing. That's the, they did a an outline of my arm and then filled it in with faith. My wife is laughing louder than anybody else out here. <laughs> um, but we're talking about the power of God's word. Uh, if you, if if you know anything about me, you know that I firmly believe that there is power in the word of God that it will change you. And we're going to talk about a profile of a powerful life today. Last week, Gary kicked it off looking at Jehoiakim. He was a king in Judah, and he was an idiot. He ignored the Word of God. And it wasn't because he didn't have it, because today we're talking about Josiah, his dad. Josiah was king when they found the book of the law. How many here have ever lost their Bible? Yep, I've I've lost my Bible. Um, I've had Bibles stolen. I don't know how to feel about that. (laughs) My Bible got stolen. I hope they read it. Uh, But... I've lost my Bible and bought another one so I could have it. Jehoiakim just ignored it. It wasn't like it was lost because his dad and the priest found it. He just ignored God's Word. And last week, Gary talked about a profile of a powerless life because he did not allow God's power to work in his life. Today, we're going to look at King Josiah. His story is found in 2 Kings 22-23, Second Chronicles 34-35, And it's referenced in Jeremiah because Jeremiah's ministry starts during the reign of Josiah. Josiah led a powerful life because he tapped into God's power. And God's word was instrumental in him tapping into God's power. On your notes right there at the top in 2 Kings 23-25, it says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him, who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. I find that really interesting because David is the man after God's own heart, right? And he was king. This says David had nothing on Josiah because neither before nor after was there a man like a, just a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord as he did. How can I tap into that power? How can I lead a powerful life? How can I tap into God's power? Well, on your notes, if you want to follow along, there's some blanks that you can fill in. And right there, it says, How can God's power begin to work in my life? I must seek God out. Have you ever been trying to find a power outlet? You can't find one and you really need to plug something in and you search and you search and you search. You start moving furniture to find that power outlet because you know there's one behind the couch. I, I, we, uh, have a, a heating pad. And when you've had a sore back laying on the couch on a heating pad is glorious. 
And uh, the outlet that we usually plug it into is right behind our sectional, and there's no good way to get to it. So to get to it, you got to move the whole couch. you got to search for that power outlet. And your back already hurts. But once you lay down on that heating pad, oh, it just starts to melt away. It's like that with God. You need that power, you got to search for it. And the best way to search for what God has for your life is in His Word. We were talking to our daughters last night. And we, we were doing our devotional, and it talked about God's Word. And I asked Blythe and Carr, I go, what's the best way to know what God has to say about your life? And they had some really good points, like talk to His people. Well, that's a really good point. Yes, talk to His people. But God has spoke. Well, He talks to our hearts. The Holy Spirit talks to us. You're right. Gosh, you're 10 and 7. You're smarter than me. You're right. But the best way to know what God has said is what He has literally said. It's in the Bible. God has spoken to us. It's right there. So if I want to know how God wants His power in my life, I need to look in His Word. So I must seek Him out. And we're talking about Word power. So let's look in His Word. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Acts 17.27 says, God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. I decided to become a Christian in 2002. So almost 17 years ago, I grew up going to church. I grew up knowing about God. When I sat down to study the Bible with people, I knew what God's word said. I knew where to go in the Bible. I knew all this stuff. I went to a school that taught religion class. I knew what the Bible said, but I wasn't seeking it out. I wasn't allowing that power to work in my life. And when I became a Christian, there's something changed. You see, it wasn't a one-time event for me to seek God. It wasn't that day in August in 2002 where I said, I'm going to become a Christian, I'm going to seek God, and that was the last time I sought God. It's an everyday thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. We were talking to the girls last night, and I asked them, do mommy and daddy read the Bible? And without hesitation, they went every day. You both read it in the morning and in the afternoon. And then I asked, was that easy for mommy and daddy? And they're like, no, <laughs> without hesitation. It took some work for me to consistently be in God's scripture. And Blythe was asking, like, how long has it been since you didn't? And I, luckily, version has a ticker that shows you, you've been in God's Scripture this long. Today is 575 days that I have been in God's Scripture without missing a day. No, no, don't go, woo-hoo. Yeah, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't give cookies to the guys at work for doing what they're supposed to do. But the more that I get into God's Scripture, the more that I want to. Over the past few months, our small group has started going through books of the Bible together outside of small group. What? A small group does stuff together outside of small group time? But we've been going through books. We've gone through Revelation and Daniel, and I just finished Ezekiel this week, small group. I don't know if you have, but it, it got really repetitive at the end, and I just pushed through it. Um, but we, we all downloaded a second app 
so that we could go through God, so we could seek God's Word out. It's called Through the Word app. Cassie found it. Love her because she finds stuff that I can, I can do. And it's people teaching through chapters of the, chapters of books. They teach through a whole book, chapter by chapter, and it's audio, so I can listen to it while I'm driving to work. Seeking God is not a one-time thing, it's a lifestyle. And that is so made obvious by Josiah. And I'm looking at his life in Scripture, and I'm trying to pick passages, and I couldn't. So we're going to read an entire chapter out loud. And I'm going to go slow, so our interpreter does not stab me. Because I know I can read this chapter in like two minutes, and you all don't know how the names are pronounced anyway, but we're going to give it time. Uh, it's Second Chronicles chapter 34, if you want to turn in your Bibles, or, well, you can't really say turn now, it's swipe, because um, not very many people carry a paper Bible anymore, including me. Second Chronicles 34, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. These he broke into pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on the altars, and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles, and he crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. They went to Hilkiah, the high priest, and gave him the money that had been brought into the temple of God, which the Levites, who were the gatekeepers, had collected from the people of Manasseh, Ephraim, and the entire remnant of Israel, and from all the people of Judah and Benjamin and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then they entrusted it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the Lord's temple. These men paid the workers who repaired and restored the temple. They also gave money to the carpenters and builders to purchase dress stone and timbers for the joists and beams for the buildings that the kings of Judah had allowed to fall into ruin. The workers labored faithfully. Over them to direct them were Jehath and Obadiah, Levites descended from Arari, and Zechariah and Meshulam descended from Kohath. The Levites, all who were skilled in playing musical instruments, 
had charge of the laborers and supervised all the workers from job to job. Some of the Levites were secretaries, scribes, and gatekeepers. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and the workers. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, Iakim, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Aziah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that has poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Hilkiah and those the king had sent with him went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tokath, the son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people. All the curses written in the book that have been read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all that their hands have made. My anger will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes, and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will gather you to your ancestors, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place and on those who live here. So they took her answer back to the king. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, 
statutes, and decrees with all his heart and with all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in the book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. There is a lot that I just read. More than the names that I stumbled across. But there's a lot. Josiah, that was just one chapter of his life. Josiah did so much. Once he found out what the Word of God said, he started changing. Here's some highlights. He started seeking God at age 16. He began removing idols at age 20. He renovated the temple at age 16. And he reinstated temple worship. In other chapters, it talks about how he reinstated the Passover in a way that had not been celebrated since the time of the prophet Samuel. And on top of that, Jeremiah, the prophet's ministry, started when Josiah was 21. So much happens in Israel and Judah during the reign of Josiah. He seeks God so much that the people around him start seeking God and they don't fail to seek God throughout his whole life. In our society today, there is so much vying for our attention. What are you seeking first? Matthew 6.33 told us to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and everything that we need will be given to us. What gets your first? So Josiah is an awesome example of seeking God. How can I seek God like Josiah? What can I do to seek God like Josiah? Well, one of the most obvious, blatant things in Josiah's story that really stood out to me is that if I want to seek God like Josiah, I have to remember, I have to remember that seeking God is not dependent on my heritage. Second Kings 21, 1 through 2. Let's learn about Josiah's grandpa. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became, became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 55 years. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. That's his grandpa. Here's his dad in 2 Kings 21, 19-22. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for two years. His mother's name was Meshulameth, daughter of Haruz. She was from Jotba. 
He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. He followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped and bowing down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to him. That's Josiah's granddad and dad. It describes Manasseh as having so much blood on his hands, he's one of the primary reasons God wants to destroy Judah. And if you notice, when we were reading that long chapter, it talked about the temple of the Lord that the kings had allowed to fall into ruin. Josiah's lineage is not very good. He's got some bad dudes in it. Just looking at his dad and his grandpa, you can see that. But i got to remember that seeking God is not dependent on my heritage. I am not a Christian because of my parents, because of my wife, because of my children. I don't seek God because of my last name or the fact that my great-great-uncle on my mother's side twice removed was a preacher. We were at a youth rally a little while ago and... Cassie and I were walking around trying to get to know some kids that aren't a part of our youth ministry. And there was this one kid who was really outgoing and, to be honest, made some of our more shy kids just be more shy. And we were talking to him and he was like, yeah, so I've, I've pretty much been a Christian my whole life. My uncle's a preacher. Okay, so there's a lot wrong with what you just said, but I'm not going to go there right now. Also... I'm not an evil person because of my last name, who my parents are, or the fact that my grandpa was a mass murderer. My grandpa was not a mass murderer, by the way. But my heritage does not decide me seeking God. If I relied on my heritage, I would not be a follower of God. Or at the very least, I would not have as much faith in God as I do right now. You see, anyone can seek God. Josiah did not allow the stigma of his lineage to deter him. And he sought God even though he didn't know how. The book of the law was lost. But for some reason, at the age of 16, he went against culture. He went against what his society told him was worship. And he sought the one true God. He sought Jehovah. And he started making changes. He, when the book of the law was found, did you notice he tore his robes and wept because of what the law said and how they weren't following it? He wanted God's power in his life. And he wasn't going to let his heritage stop him. The second thing I, can, I need to remember is that seeking God is dependent on me. No one can seek God for you. No one can read God's Word for you. No one can allow God's Word to work on your heart for you. My wife cannot do that. As hard as she might want to try, she cannot. My parents aren't responsible for me seeking God. Family members are not responsible for me seeking God. God is not responsible for me seeking God. I tell the teens a lot. 
that God loves us and He wants us to love Him. He wants us to pursue Him. He's going to pursue us all of our days, but He wants us to pursue Him because He wants us to love Him as much as He loves us, and that's never going to happen. He, we, I cannot love God as much as He loves me. I can try. But he's going, to, he's going to pursue us. He wants us to pursue Him because forced love is not love. Being forced to seek something is not seeking something. No one can seek God for you. So often in today's society, responsibility is not accepted. No one can tap into God's power for you. No one can surrender your life to God for you. Only you can. Josiah began seeking at a young age. At 16, I was not thinking about seeking God. Uh, When I was younger, I had an older guy speaking to my life, and he goes, you're too focused on the three W's. I was like, what? Before, and mind you, internet wasn't quite a thing yet, so www dot wasn't a thing. He's like, you're too focused on the three W's, women, wages, and wheels. I was 16. He was right. 16-year-old Josiah is ruling a country and getting them to change the way society works, and he's getting his country to seek God. He doesn't allow his family's previous sins to stop him. He doesn't allow society to tell him how to worship. And by the way, his society was worshiping Baal, Asherah, and Molech. And I think I've said it from up here before. You worship Baal and Asherah, they're fertility gods. So there's free sex, right? Fertility. And by the way, They set up shop in God's temple. So there were rooms to weave tapestries to their gods. And there were rooms for the temple prostitutes in God's temple. And that's something Josiah comes in and renovates the temple and throws them out. He burned bones and everything. It was crazy. Molech, well, if you're going to have a society that loves free sex, Molech takes care of the problem that comes along with that. Because Molech, you sacrifice your babies in fire. So they would go out to the to the valley and they'd have altars that had fire in them and you put your infants on the hands of this altar and you burn your baby. It's a really good thing that in today's society we don't talk about free sex and killing infants. That's not in the news at all. Not at all. We don't worship those gods today. But instead of worshiping according to society, Josiah sought out the one true God. If you don't think that society is telling us to worship those things, you're mistaken. James 1, 22-25 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When I explain this passage to the high schoolers, this is what I do. You're getting ready for school. High school is all about presentation. It's all about look, well, at least 
freshman through junior year. Senior year, you stop caring. But freshman for junior year, we'll go there. And it's all about, okay, I need to impress somebody. There's a girl. There's a guy. There's a sports team. I don't care. You're trying to impress somebody. I remember high school. It was a little while ago, but I remember it. You get up in the morning, and you look in the mirror. And back in junior, not junior, sophomore year and freshman year high school, I had long hair. And it's like I had to work to get my hair to stay in place. And it's like getting up in the morning and looking, and I got this stuff going on, and like the spinach I ate last night still in my teeth, and I stink, and I'm like, good to go. And I walk out the door to go to high school. Idiot. I ain't going to impress nobody. Or, well, that's not true. I might impress somebody, but I don't want to impress them. This is saying that God's word is a mirror. Okay, so we got power. It's a place where we can get power. It says, do what it says and you will have power. Is what that says right there. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They're going to be blessed in what they do. Have you ever looked in God's word and it hurts? It's really quiet, so I'm going to take that as yes. Here's a question. Do you know what a sacred cow is? India specifically, they believe cows are deities, so you can't do anything to them. They're sacred. They're sacred cows here right now, and I'm not calling anybody a cow, so don't get mad about that. You're about to get mad about something, but don't get mad about that. We have sacred cows in our lives. I was up here preaching one Sunday, and I read Scripture. And somebody got mad. Read scripture. It was a list of sins. And you know what scripture, what part of that I was focused on? The ones that apply to me. Gluttony. Sloth. Okay? I was looking at those sins. The ones that apply to me. But in there, I said something that goes against what society said. I said homosexuality is a sin. If you're here and you struggle with homosexuality, you are welcome. We are all sinners. We believe that sin separates us from God and that God wants to have a relationship with you. And I believe that everybody struggles with sin. I don't look down on people who struggle with homosexuality. I don't look down on people who struggle with cussing. I don't look down on people who struggle with overeating. I don't judge. That's not true. I do judge. I judge you if you put eyelashes on your car. But if you're struggling with sin, I ain't here to judge you. I'm here to love you because that's what my God told me to do. This gentleman pulls me aside out there and said, you were wrong. Excuse me? You were wrong to preach about homosexuality. One, I didn't preach about homosexuality. I preached about sin. Two, you don't need to take that up with me. I read God's word. You need to take it up with him. I tipped his sacred cow. Let's go cow tipping. What is something that upsets you when it's spoken from up here? Is it sex? Is it money? Is it parenting? Is it giving? Is it service? There is something, when somebody says something up here, they read God's Word and you get upset, that's your sacred cow and you need to tip it over. Because if you want God's power to work in your life through His Word, you can't just read it and not do anything. You have to let it work. 
And you have to be in it more than once or twice a year. So I didn't call you a cow. I didn't upset you with that. But I I probably picked a nerve on something because suddenly now you're thinking about your pet sin. And I didn't even say it. But you're thinking about it. And you're like, Mike's talking about it. And now you're like, ugh, and you're uncomfortable. It's not me making you uncomfortable. There's something working. I get uncomfortable when people start talking about overeating and sloth. And there's so many sins I've over I've overcome with the help of God. You don't hear you don't hear things come out of my mouth that used to come out of my mouth. You don't see me put things in my mouth that used to go in my mouth. I don't drive as fast as I used to. I'm way better about spending. You can talk to my wife about that one. We have a little bit of money. <laughs> used to be I, we didn't have any. I struggle with sin as much as you guys do. Maybe more. I'm nowhere near perfect. I know that. But I'm letting God work on me. I'm letting God's Word work in me. we got to knock over our sacred cows. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's spending. Maybe it's something else. But I can tell you this. If you want God's power to work in your life, you must allow His Word to change your life. Josiah did that. He tore his robes and he wept. And because he did that, God said, you ain't going to die in the punishment I'm bringing. You're going to die in peace. So I remember seeking God's not dependent on my heritage. And... I remember that seeking God is only dependent on me. You guys are sitting there like, great, Mike. Talking about seeking God. I'm new at all this. I don't even know what you're talking about. The last part of the back page of your notes, let's briefly talk about what it actually looks like to seek God. Number one, it's something that I don't actually talk about very often, but it was on my heart when I was preparing for this lesson. When I seek God... I actually have to look for Him. i got to look for God. So often we talk about prayer, and we talk about God's Word, we talk about God's people, but I don't actually say you got to look for God. Well, Mike, we do that when we read God's Word, and when we pray, and when we talk to people. You're right. This goes with all those. But Josiah didn't have God's people, and he didn't have God's Word. He could pray, But he didn't really know God because there was nobody to teach him. How do I look for God if I don't know how? Psalm 95, 4-5 says, In His hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. I don't know about you, but I can look at nature and I can see God. He made it. I can't tell you how it works. I went to school, I learned about photosynthesis and the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. But that's great. I don't know how it works. It does. I've been backpacking through northern Mexico and we climbed a mountain in the dark to watch the sunrise over the mountain peaks. I saw God. I've been canoeing through Ely, Minnesota's great vast lakes and and portaging across land, carrying everything, getting in the next lake and going. And I've got pictures of, it looks like a Bob Ross painting. I'm excited for camp, masterpieces. It's going to be great. But this picture, it's it's a picture of the horizon. 
and you can take the picture and turn it like this because the lake is so smooth. It's a perfect reflection. I saw God. I'm excited for camp, getting to go to camp just to look at the stars. God is everywhere. And it's not just nature. God is working in each and every one of your lives. For example, Cassie and I, for the past year, have had two house payments. Because last May, we found what we thought was the absolute perfect house for for our family and for our ministry. And God has blessed that house. We have used it so often for a small group and for cross-chat and for get-togethers. And that's the reason we bought the house, is so we could serve God. And we were trusting Him to sell our old house. We're like, okay, uh, we're going to buy this house. We're going to have the old house still, but it's going to be sold real quick. We're trusting God for that. Still own the old house. I could be upset about that. I could look at that and see God has failed me because I'm not looking for God working. But if I look at, at the facts, I look at God working, I can see that my children are eating. I have not been late on a bill. And God has provided. If I look for God, He's there. Mr. Rogers' mom once told him that anytime there's a disaster, look for the people who are helping. I know I've talked about Mr. Rogers before. I miss the man. If you get on YouTube, there's an interview with him. It's like nine parts long. They did it so that if he ever died, his wisdom would be passed on. And it's just him talking in this interview. And he gets to this point and he's, yeah, my mom told me when bad things are happening, look, look for the helpers. He's telling her, look for God. He even says that at one point. And he, he points to some disasters and he said there was always people helping. The flood. They call out for help. How many people showed up for sandbagging? The National Guard's here, and I just saw a thing this morning. Alton said, stop helping. We have enough food for our National Guard members. Any disaster I have ever seen, there were people. Maybe they didn't know they were being sent by God, but God was at work. We need to look for God. If we want to seek Him, He is everywhere. Josiah had nothing to point him to God, yet he still sought God out. What's your excuse? If you look into our world, it's very easy to see the darkness. But if you try, you can still see that God is at work. Second thing. I look into God's Word. It's what we're talking about. Word power. If I want to seek God, I need to read His Word. What does God have to say about this? Well, He said a lot. It's in that book. I can help you look. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is not a dead language. The Bible applies to our lives right here, right now. It has power. It can change your life. It has changed mine. In Josiah's time, they'd lost the book of the law, but when they found it, they read it and allowed it to change how they went about their lives. 
In today's world, we have no excuse not to read God's Word. We have more access to it than any other society ever. If you have a phone in your pocket, I bet you can get to the, to the Bible. If I turn mine on right now, it's pulled up to 2 Chronicles 34. Did you know in today's world there are people smuggling pages of the Bible into prisons so that people will be encouraged by God's Word? If you want to hear more stories about how God's Word is working around the world, look at um, Jesus Freaks, Volume 1 and 2. It's really good stories. It's not just modern stories. It's older martyrs and stuff like Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you want current stuff, look at look up the voice of the martyrs. It's a publication. I think it's a magazine. They have stuff online. They talk about things that are happening right now. People are being persecuted around the world because they're Christian and they just want to read the Bible. You will be amazed at some of the lengths people go to just to read Scripture. So, if you're a Christian here and you're not reading the Bible, what's your lame excuse? I'm not trying to be mean, but that's just what it is. I had lame excuses. I'm too busy. I slept in. I haven't had time. That was stupid because I made time to watch TV. I made time to eat. Any excuse I come up with is lame, if not stupid. <laughs> I, was, I was busy breathing. Think about... Some five-minute section of your day that you could move stuff around and read God's Word. Start there. Start there. You don't have to take a 15-minute drive like I do to work and to back listening to God's Word. Five minutes. Challenge you right now. Five minutes a day. version makes it ridiculously easy to read the Bible. Download the app. Start a plan. Through the Bible in 365 days. Through the Bible in 180 days. There are plans on there. Right now I'm going through a bunch called Uncommon. It's about being uncommon men. And they combine the words. So it's U-N-C-O-M-M-E-N, not O-N. It's really good. kind of wanted to do the men's retreat on it, but I haven't talked to anybody about it. Remember that passage in James. However, you're going to read the Scripture. Don't just read it. Let it work on you. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Hebrews talked about it's a living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Getting struck with a sword does not sound comfortable. It's going to hurt. It's going to suck. Honestly. But it's so worth it. To have God's power in your life, it's so worth it. Third thing, I look for God's people. And under that... Put in, I pray to God. Because this next passage covers both. I look for God's people and I pray to God. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Most everybody here knows this passage, but, you know, it just keeps coming up because sometimes we forget it, sometimes we ignore it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
Josiah did not seek God alone. He had people around him. He had Hilkiah, he had Shaphan, and all those other names that I had trouble pronouncing. They may not have known exactly how to seek God, but they were trying. Christianity is not something you should walk alone. Like I said earlier, I have a small group. We go through Scripture together. We meet together. We try to at least once a week. We have, we have meals together. We enjoy each other's company. And we urge each other to seek God. We urge each other to move closer to God. We don't say, are you seeking God today? We talk about life. And as we talk about life, because God is a part of our life, we talk about God. Do you have somebody, a group of people in your life that walk with you? Who is around you? Who is encouraging you to seek God? The last one. I continue seeking God for the rest of my life. Now, Psalms 116, verse 9 in the New Living Translation says, And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. Seeking God is a direction for your life. It is a lifestyle, not an event. There's a scary part about Josiah's story. The end of his life... He made one decision without seeking God first. And he died. (laughs) That's the simple story. In 2 Chronicles 35, 20 and 21, it says, After all of this, when Josiah had set the temple in order, Nicho, or Nico, I don't know how you pronounce that one. We're going to go Nicho because that's how America says it. Nicho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish, on the Euphrates, and Josiah marched out to meet him in battle. But Nietzsche sent messengers to him, saying, What quarrel is there, king of Judah, between you and me? It is not you I am attacking at this time, but the house with which I am at war. God has told me to hurry, so stop opposing God, who is with me, or he will destroy you. Instead of going and asking God about it, because dude just said God told me to do this, He still pursues him, and he ends up getting killed because of it. And he's laid to rest. And then his idiot son comes to power. And if you want to hear about his idiot son, listen to Gary's lesson next week. It's on the the website. Again, seeking God is a lifestyle, not an event. So where are you? Where are you in your walk with God? Do you need to seek Him for the first time? Have you never sought Him before? You're in a great place. If, if you're wanting to start a relationship with God, this is a great place. There are people here who want to help you. There are people here who want to show you God's Word and what it says about your life. Take that step. Find somebody you trust and say, hey, I want to know what Mike was talking about. I want to know what it means to seek God. Or, are you somebody who slacked off? I can't judge you, again, unless you have eyelashes on your car. I can't judge you because I have slacked off in my life. I have, I have, there are times where I maybe read the Bible once every two weeks. I've been there. Been there. And God's power was not evident in my life. 
or very minimal. So maybe you need to start seeking God more. Maybe you need to get somebody that you go through a, a lesson with at least once a week. There's, there's a couple of guys that do that. They send me what they're reading. They send me the links to it so I can watch it too. Or are you already seeking Him and you just needed that little encouragement to do it for the rest of your life? Wherever you're at, this is a great place and there are people here to walk alongside of you. God wants to walk with you. And He wants to give you power in your life to overcome sin. In your bulletin, there's a communication card. looks like this. There's spaces to fill out stuff about yourself. But on the right-hand side, there's a space for a prayer. I really encourage you, ask the prayer team to pray for you. Where you're at. Where you want to be. What you're going through. Nobody's going to talk about it. Nobody's going to spread around your problems. I don't even know who's on the prayer team for the most part. So I don't know. People don't talk about it. It's very confidential. Write down what you need help with. Write down where you're at. We're going to pass baskets here in a minute. We're going to sing a song, give you time to fill that out, and then we're going to pass baskets. If you're a guest here, put that communication card in the basket, but don't put anything else in. We did not ask you to come here so you could put money in a plate. That's not what we're about. We want God's power to work in your life. Our members will be putting their offering in the plate, but we don't want our guests to. We're so glad to have you here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for examples like Jehoiakim and for Josiah. Good and bad, Father. Um, Sometimes we need that. I pray for everybody here, wherever they're at, that they'll seek You so that Your power can work in their life. So their lives will be changed. I pray that we can all look at Your Word and not just look at it, not just read it, and then walk away and not let it do anything to us. Help Your Word to change us, Father. Light a fire in us for Your Word. Light a fire in us for the lost around us. Help us to share Your Word, share Your promises, share Your glory, share Your love, share Your compassion, and share Your forgiveness with the people around us. Help us to be less us and more You. And help us to seek You out the rest of our days. I love You, Father. In Your name I pray. Amen.